Welcome back to another Sound Truth interview. I'm your host, Adam Miller, and I'm excited uh, as we're going to be opening up our study in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, this is uh, something we do every year. We look at one of the different Gospels every year on the broadcast, and uh, focusing in on just one Gospel and spending some, some time in it has really been helpful for me to capture that picture and that image of, of Jesus that can transform our lives. So I'm excited and privileged today to be joined uh, by David Murray, who's written a book, a part of a devotional series called the Story Changer Devotional. This one is on Luke and the stories of mission and mercy. So David, thank you so much for joining us and being a part of the many voices for that one message. Thanks, Adam. It is a, a great privilege, isn't it, to have a calling of exploring the Gospels and getting to know Christ, and our desire is for others to share in that wonderful knowledge. Mm. Better better words than I could have said. It's a, such an important reminder as we look at the Gospels every year, coming back to them to see Christ. You never want to get too far removed from them. It really does need to be a central part of our, our annual reading, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, I remember a pastor telling me you know, as he tried to decide how how much of each portion of Scripture to read, he looked back on his ministry and he, he decided that the best proportion would be a third of his sermons in the Old Testament, a third on the Gospels, and a third on the Epistles, which I thought was an interesting division. So I thought, well, I better look at my own <laughs> sermons of many years. And I actually found that was almost exactly the proportion. And so I think that that does get a, a good balance between old and new, between gospels and letters. And as you say, it just keeps the gospels front and center. Yeah. I think it's easy to assume that we've got the gospels down. I mean, they're they're just four gospels, and if we do it one every you know year, that means every four years we're cycling back mm. through. That means that we're spending. Uh, we weren't that too far from the gospel of Luke four years ago to be doing it once again, but yet it's so easy to assume that we know it without actually understanding it and needing to come back to it and see it afresh and anew. I agree, and I confess that. Early in my own preaching ministry, I didn't do any kind of consecutive expository preaching. I our, our Scottish tradition, <laughs> I was then living and pastoring in Scotland, was not favourable to that. It was viewed as a bit unspiritual to have a plan of preaching like that. Mm. And it would be better, you know, you had to get a verse from the Lord each week. And there's a place for that too. Uh, but when I came to the U.S. and started hearing that done well um, and I had opportunities, I started going through a gospel, the Gospel of John, and I was stunned by how much I learned that way, that I just wasn't learning by just dotting in and out of different passages. There's something incredibly influential about just working your way through a gospel, forcing yourself to face every passage, not just the ones that either God laid in your heart or you brought out of your own heart. Mm, mm. And this this year we're going to be doing the Gospel of Luke, and obviously um, Luke is one that you've covered here in your devotional series, but I mentioned to you even before we got started, I didn't realize because we were doing Luke uh, that uh, that's how I found this book, but this is actually part of a series, and you started off, I, I don't like to come in in the middle of a series, I want to start at the beginning, so <laughs> tell us a little bit about the Story Changer book that you wrote and how this fits into that. Sure. Yeah, so the story changer, it's subtitled How God Rewrites Our Stories by Inviting Us Into His. 
That's uh, a shorter book, just over 100 pages with 10-ish chapters, which was really intended as an introduction to Jesus as the story changer. And it came out of my own analysis of the popularity of story in our culture. Everyone's got a story. Everyone wants to tell their story, not just individuals, but politicians what need a narrative, businesses need a narrative, marketing is often narrative-driven. And of course, when we come to the Bible, the vast majority of it's been given to us in stories. God knows that there's something about story that really connects with us. He made us that way. And I'd seen a book before, I think it was called The Storyteller, which was about Jesus you know, being the storyteller. But I didn't feel that it fully covered the change that that story makes in our lives. And that's why I wanted to present Jesus as this, not just a storyteller, but a story changer in that he tells his story in a way that changes our own. So that's just a brief introduction to looking at God's story and how it changes our own. And Luke is the first book of the Bible that hopefully demonstrates that. How does that work into the Gospel of Luke? How does the the theme of a story changer come to this this gospel story and narrative? Well, when I looked at devotionals, I I noticed that a lot of devotionals had story, personal stories, anecdotes, illustrations, but sometimes not a lot of God's story. Yeah. Right? It wasn't very text based. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, there were also some devotionals, or maybe more, you would say, commentaries that were very text-based, but had no impact on our own story. So, in the one case, there was lots of our stories and very little of God's. In another case, a lot of God's story, but very little interaction with our own. And from my years in teaching in seminary, in both Old Testament and practical theology, I saw continually how you needed both. You needed God's story as the basis of everything and anything, but that it had to lead into a practical expression of faith. And therefore, the the series of devotionals that will go through various books of the Bible attempts to really try and marry these two things together in a way that's accessible and simple for people to read and enjoy. Hmm. Tell us a little bit about why you chose the Gospel of Luke to start this whole kind of uh, devotional series. Yeah, this this began actually during COVID. So I was teaching in the seminary and a church in Burns Center, Michigan had asked me to come and serve them for a few months. They they just lost a longtime beloved pastor and they wanted some continuity in their preaching, so not just somebody different every week, just to get them through that period of mourning. They'd lost this, you know, pastor been there for 24 years, much loved. Uh, obviously, being a seminary prof, I could do that in a way that most pastors couldn't. So I said, sure, I'd love to do that. And I'd, I'd been thinking of pastoral ministry again anyway and wondering, is God calling me into this? So that was a great opportunity to test that sense of call, as well as serve a needy congregation. And then, of course, what six weeks into this in March of 2019, COVID hit. And so I went from preaching to a church of maybe 700 people to about five people. 
<laughs> and they were the sound guys, you know. And it was it was a weird experience. Oh, you know it. Everyone knows it. It was hard for preachers. It was hard for people. And so I thought, how could I, how could I keep connection and communication with people when they weren't getting that weekly fellowship in person? Mm-hmm. Uh, they were watching online, of course, but it's as we all know, it's a poor substitute. Um, and therefore, I started doing this daily podcast, just five minutes going through the Gospel of Luke that tried to just keep people's spirits up and encourage them, bring Christ to them. And, and it seemed to go over well in the circumstances. And therefore, when Crossway and I were talking about devotionals, I kind of thought, well, I've got quite a lot of the work done in Luke, so maybe we could start there. <laughs> and that's what we did. But we hope to do all of them eventually. Yeah, well, I'm glad you finally got promoted out of the dungeon and back into the dinner table, but uh, <laughs> I'm yeah. excited to see you pastoring again. But also, uh, when, we, when we think about um, what we went through in the past two years and where we're at now, a lot of that has come out of, uh, a lot of uh, this Bible study and devotions has really kind of risen to the surface of people mm-hmm. uh, making that a part of their daily lives as opposed to just something they were doing on Sundays. It's actually changed the scope of a lot of happening, uh, of what we've been doing in the past couple of years. I agree, Adam. There there have been, of course, losses through COVID, but there have been gains. And I believe one of the gains is that while, yeah, there there is a small number who have, you know, they stopped going to church, they were happy to stop, and they're no longer coming back. Mm. Not many, I don't think. But there's a far greater group of God's true people who have found man, I need the church, and I didn't realize it. I need fellowship, and I didn't real, realize it. I need, I need daily um, fuel, and, and, and I realize that more than I ever did before. And we've seen in churches in West Michigan where that is the emphasis. There's mm. a real um, remixing, I would call it, of congregations, and people really hungry for the word mm. and, and gravitating towards congregations with that. And, of course, hungry, not just for Sunday, which, of course, is our primary means of grace, but for that daily um, into the Word in a, in a manageable way. And that was one of the things, again, there were two extremes I saw with the devotional market. It was One was like just way too short. You could read it a minute. Others were rather lengthy, and especially ones based on past writings. Is there, was there a way of doing something substantial, uh, serious, and yet simple and short? So most of these devotionals can be read in five minutes. They're about 600, 700 words. And hopefully, again, you know, I always think if we can keep the bar relatively low, um, it's easier for people to make a start. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that will grow their appetite and hunger. I think it, you, you kind of touched on something with, with the past couple of years and the appetites changing. I think that really as well lost a lot of people from our churches. We've experienced something similar here in New England as well. Mm-hmm. But we've also seen a lot of people hungry. And when they come to the church hungry, they're not interested in all the flourishes. They want to be fed. And I think that that's mm-hmm. what you're trying to do with this book and this devotional on the Gospel of Luke. You want to actually feed the people that are coming hungry. Yeah. It's not complicated, is it, really? <laughs> it's just, you know, preach the Bible, explain the Bible, 
and apply it to people's lives, the spirit blesses it and people grow and they grow more hungry. It's a very simple process. I think we often overcomplicate things in our church life and in our personal lives too. We look for shortcuts. We look for the latest fad. And I just, I'm just a very, very strong believer in the power of the text. Mm. Uh, explained and applied. And I hope that that's accomplished in the book. It's actually a little challenging. Uh, I know because I do some writing as well to actually write in something that's short and concise mm. and clear and yet provides enough substance that it doesn't just leave lacking um, that's actually a lot harder than it's I think most of our listeners realize. But you, you put this together for that sake of it just being that short five-minute reading. You really have to pack in a lot into that short little period. It's true. It's it's like a muscle, I think, that develops. So I think I was brought up under very long sermons, very long prayers. And I always, even as an unconverted young man, I was always like, this is just insane. You know, <laughs> why would they think this is going to appeal? So I always had a sort of um, appeal. I had an attraction to the short and the brief. But, you know, as I, when the Lord saved me and drew me in to, to Christ, I, I also began to realize, well, yeah, short but serious, um, simple but substantial. Can we, can we marry these things together? Can we have simplicity and profundity? And that's been really the passion of my own life, whether pastoring or teaching, to try and develop that muscle. And you're right, it's hard. When I started in this church I mentioned, First Biden Christian Reformed Church, their average sermon length was 30 minutes. And I'd really, for many years, been in churches that were more like 40, 45, sometimes 55, you would expect. That's easy. Like, <laughs> you'd want a pastor to talk for no problem, 55 minutes. Yeah. To cut that back to 30 minutes and still feel in conscience you're doing justice to the text, that's really hard. Mm -hmm. But it can be done. It's amazing what can be done when you have to do it. And that was one of the great challenges, yet blessings of writing these devotionals trying to compress into 650 to 700 words, really significant passages of Scripture. Of course, you can't say everything. Yes. But again, that's a challenge. What do you choose to say? What do you choose to focus on and bring out or, of the text? And that question is deeper. It's what does God want us to bring out of the text? Mm. I think, and I got a sense of this in, in reading it, that uh, with these shorter segments that you're kind of breaking down in the devotional, you're actually guiding someone to spend more time in thinking about it. Mm -hmm. uh, the purpose is to meditate on it, not just to listen to your thoughts and kind of leave with everything discovered. You've opened up the door and then allowed them to kind of find these nuggets on their own. That is, I mean, as you know, as you know, in ministry, that's our that's our greatest joy. It's not just to feed, but see see people start feeding themselves. Mm -hmm. To give them not just a, you know a bucket of water, but teach them to dig the well, and the books don't like say this is how you do it. It does it, and hopefully, as people see how it's done, they do absorb that ability and confidence themselves to look at the Bible meditatively, devotionally. Next Monday, I don't know when this goes out, but 29th of August, I'm going to start on my podcast, the Story Changer podcast, 
uh, uh, an accompanying daily podcast for this book of Luke. And I'm not going to simply read the, the devotional because people can do that. They can hear it on the audio book. And by the way, the guy with the Scottish accent on the audiobook is not me. <laughs> so it was a weird experience. I'm like, is that me? It's not me. I never did that. Anyway, that's another story. Yeah, so the, the daily podcast will try and make the material even more devotional, mm. more worshipful, uh, so that it's a supplement, not a replacement, but a supplement to these um, short articles or meditations. Mm. Why? What is it about the Gospel of Luke that uh, that changes our story? What is it about this this story, this narrative of the story of Jesus and his teachings and his parables and all the things that he puts in there? What, why is that something that uh, has the power to transform us? Obviously, there's there's a lot of overlap in the Gospel. So there's there's material in Luke which is in other Gospels. But there's also additional material that are not that's not in the other gospels, and Luke has his own prism through which he reads the gospel events and presents them. And therefore, when we read Luke, we're asking ourselves: number one, what did he pick to put in? Number two, how did he present it differently to the other um, evangelists? What does he repeat in terms of theme? What comes up again and again? And I'm sure there's a lot of different opinions on this, but as I tried to look at it, I, I did feel these two words kept coming out at me, mission and mercy, mission and mercy. And we're not saying that every single passage in the book of Luke is either the mission or mercy, but if you try and take the overall perspective of it and look at the book through that, then you begin to see mission and mercy everywhere. And, and it's not two agendas. They're, they're connected. So Luke really focuses on the the mercy acts of Christ, uh, the healings, the miracles. But it's always in connection with the mission of the word. And so one prepares the way for the other. Uh, one backs up the other and really calls us to go on mission, which includes not just the words of mission, but the compassion and the mercy and the love of Christ as we as we do so. So obviously as a physician, it, it makes sense. He was uh, somebody with a great heart for mission, but a great heart for suffering people and therefore really presents Christ as that answer. I think a lot of times we look at the story of Jesus and we're familiar with these stories, but we see them as isolated events. We don't mm. make the connection that you're making where you're putting them all together into telling a much grander story and connecting mm. all of these dots. I think that's actually very helpful and a lot harder to do in a devotional because devotionals are kind of bent towards just seeing a story at, per day and then moving on to the next one. Right. But you're weaving a story in this book. Yeah, trying to. I think... There, there's power in the individual stories, obviously, but God did give us the book of Luke, not just the stories of Luke. Uh, and I think we have to believe that the Holy Spirit inspired him, 
using his own talents, his own background, his own experience, his own knowledge, but very intentionally directed him to give us uh, an angle on the person and work of Christ that was different to the other three Gospels. There's no, there's no duplication, although there's similar stories and even similar incidents. Again, just trying to look at them, what, what is the, the angle that Luke is presenting them with? And I think, you know, again, when you begin to go consecutively through Scripture as a preacher or a teacher, the cumulative effect is, is incredibly powerful. As, as you see layer upon layer, line upon line, story upon story, all heading towards the same direction. It's like people say to us, you know, when we preach in the Old Testament and show the fulfillment in the new, man, I never knew the Bible was so beautiful. And similarly, when we, when we see the, the theme throughout a whole book in that more meta-narrative, big story way, we, like, we just love our Bibles all the more and see the beauty of how God put them together. Hmm. One of the things that you're trying to do with this series, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it's words you put in the book. So one of the things is you want to teach your readers to actually read the Bible better. You want to help them understand. I think a lot of our listeners have that question. I need help. Um, I've been reading these stories for a long period of time, and I'm not getting what uh, I see in these commentaries. How can I become a better reader? What are some of the skills that uh, our listeners and your readers can develop that can make them better at understanding God's Word? Yeah. I always think that the most important question to ask of a passage is, what's the problem? We, we look at, say, the epistles. We, we know that the letter writers are always addressing a problem, sometimes multiple problems in each church, Corinth, Ephesus, Galatia, whatever. And I think we should take that into the Gospels as well because Christ was the great problem solver. He came to fix a problematic world and the biggest problem in the world, our sin and our guilt. And therefore, we come to each of these books and this, each story in it and ask, okay, what is Jesus trying to fix here? What is he, what is he identified as a human need? And how does this story uh, fix that or help that or deliver from that? And I learned that question actually from uh, a book called The Compelling Communicator. It's not a Christian book. It's a book about business presentations. Although I found out subsequently in correspondence with the author, he is a Christian, but you know, he's a businessman and he was trying to help business people make better presentations that were more practically focused. And so he really encouraged these presenters to ask, what's the problem of my audience? Mm rather than just come with lots of facts and statistics and um, to come and say, okay, you people sitting here in front of me, what's your big problem today? And then from that, how do I solve that? How can I give you information that will lead to a practical solution? Now, we, we don't need to sit in front of our audience and go, hmm, I wonder what their problem is, because the Bible tells us, right? And I believe each passage of the Bible tells us there's a problem here. A, a tiny section of a big, much bigger problem of sin and guilt, and condemnation. And therefore, from the text, how does God bring truth to bear 
that will move that person or us from a problem to a solution. And so each devotional uh, has an opening, an introduction that has usually a connecting story or something I tell from my own life that leads to a question. And that question is the question really that the passage in question, the passage that we're studying addresses. Try to bring truths from that passage that lead to the answer to the question at the end of the devotional. So that's really what I want people to try and think of when they're reading the Bible. Each, each, each passage is addressing a, a unique problem or a problem in a unique way with unique truths that lead to unique um, answers and solutions. I think that's, I love what you're doing with the book, and I love how you explain that, because you don't explain it in detail. As you mentioned, you don't explain why you're doing it or how to read the Bible, but you're demonstrating how to read the Bible. And I think that that allows the person to not just watch and sit in the seat watching a lecture or sitting uh, on the bench watching the game or watching it at home on their couch in chips and, uh, and, and drinking. Uh, they actually got to get into the game and start to do this for themselves. Right. And as they do that, they develop that skill over time. Yeah, that's the hope, isn't it? I think I would like to see more pastors demonstrate that in their preaching as well. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we come like the PowerPoint people that that man was writing against or to correct. We come with just tons of data and facts and bullet points, but it, it's not really connecting with a problem and it's not leading to a solution. And therefore, I think if as preachers we could develop this instinct a bit more, which I think is a God-given instinct, again, I think people would be able to do these kinds of lessons themselves, whether it's Sunday school, Bible studies. And I think it would also create more variety because you're always looking for that unique angle in the text that has a unique answer to it. Um, and it also disciplines us so that, you know, we don't try and bring everything out of the text at one time. If you're doing the Gospels every four years, Adam, you need to leave something for the next time round, you know. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, sometimes as preachers, we we over, we give too much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And people people go away with less rather than more. And, and that's what I've learned a lot through, through the discipline of this short um, devotionals, like, okay, I can't see everything. I want to see the most important things. What are they? And I think it's usually things on the surface that, you know, and evident in the text. And therefore, people look at that and say, well, I, I could do that. You know, this doesn't look too difficult, too complicated. Whereas if we get down into the, you know, the weeds, people are going, okay, he's a specialist. I can't do this. So I, I want to be an enabler of God's people. Hmm. Now, it's a, it's a resource that is a devotional, and you'd think it'd either have 52 or 365, but you got 50 here, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure where that fits. It doesn't fit in Lent. It doesn't fit here. It doesn't fit there. How do you, how do you go about uh, yeah, doing this Yeah, that was study? a big discussion, actually. The, the discussion sort of went from, do we do um, like 20 or 30 for a month? Um, or do we try and do 365 and, you know, maybe do f a few books in one? And it just so happened that the podcast series I was doing on Luke turned out at 50. <laughs> and so we thought, well, 
you know, that's that's a neat round number. Yeah. And it's it's not for every week of the year. It's ideally for each day. I mean, I, I always think it's a good idea with devotionals to do them five or six days a week. And maybe on the seventh day, maybe Sunday to reflect, you know, mm-hmm. so that you're not just always going, 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 but actually taking time to look back and learn and I suppose really imprint the message upon the soul. So I suppose you could say it's got 10 weeks of five devotionals. You could look at it like that, which is a nice round number. But I suppose at the end of the day, it was more coincidental that it just ended up at 50. And it, and it works out. That's good. Like you said, it's a good round number. And there's no reason to drag it out f- further than it needs <laughs> to go. The whole point is to actually teach someone how to, to feed themselves. And uh, I, I like to watch... Uh, cooking videos on YouTube. And, and sometimes you watch these videos and you realize, wow, that's really not that complicated. <laughs> they kind of, by teaching you how to do it and allowing you to get into the kitchen and do it yourself, it actually lowers the bar of access. Yeah. It makes us yeah. want to be in the kitchen more. It makes us want to cook more. And I think the same thing goes to Bible study. As you mentioned before, lowering the bar so that you have means and uh, ease of access allows people to actually get excited about studying the Bible. Exactly. And one of the things we repeat in the book, I think it's on every introductory page to each chapter, we pull out a quote and it goes, I don't know if it can be seen on the camera, hear God's story, change your story, tell the story, change other stories. So that's the, that's the ultimate aim of this. It's not just to hear God's story and have our own changed, but hopefully that will lead to people becoming better storytellers and therefore story changers with a small s mm. when compared to the capital S story changer. That's a classical development of, of maturity, right? Is, is, is yeah. internalizing it, understanding it, breaking it down and, and being able to comprehend it, but then able to articulate it. That's something we try to emphasize all of the time is that a development of growth is not just benefiting from the study yourself, but actually being able to pass that on to somebody else and, and share it with them so that they can grow from it. Yeah, it's, a, it's an emphasis I feel ha- has been lacking in my own ministry. Uh, and one of the things that's really transformed me is we have a pastor of discipleship who came on board recently, uh, Pastor John G- Gomez, and he's, he's from Brazil. He's written a book Unfortunately, just now it's only in Portuguese called Reforming Discipleship. Yeah. But this is his great passion to be a discipler. Uh, and that means not just discipling others, but discipling others to be disciple makers. And I just feel like I've spent a lot of my life, my ministry, without that conscious emphasis. I mean, obviously it's there in the background, you remember now and again. But he, he's really shown me, and it's in the Gospels, all over the Gospels, that, that Jesus did not just make disciples, he made disciple makers. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea of multiplication, it's, it's by far the best way for the Gospel to spread. Not, you know, one to a hundred or a thousand, but one to one and one to two. And then these two go to another two. That's how the Gospel spread in the ancient world and really wherever it's it's taken off. Even today, that's how it's happening. 
And with that as well, the, the Gospel of Luke explains it so beautifully. Jesus didn't spend all of his time in the synagogue with no. his disciples either. He was out in the fields with them. He was, he was working with them shoulder to shoulder and showing them, demonstrating for them, and allowing them to do the work as well. So they learned. This, there's a lot more to this, and I'm really excited that, about how the Gospel of Luke kind of gives insight into the story of Jesus. Oh, it, it does. I mean, you, you, can't, you, you can't read any gospel without loving him more as well as learning more of him. And that ultimately is the aim, to create, to stimulate, to ignite or reignite love that is expressed in a practical way in everyday life. And I'm really convinced that this disciple-making impetus, and I'm seeing it more in, our, in the American church than it used to be. You know, we, we used to have a big, big focus on mega churches and mega campaigns, and I'm seeing a, a, a really healthy return to a more discipleship-based, one-on-one, personal relationships. It's not as flashy. It doesn't get as much attention. But it is the way I believe that God really builds his church over the years. Mm. And it, it may take years to see the long-term results, but it's worth waiting for. Mm. I love that component that's so consistent even with the Gospel of Luke is the subtle way that change happens, and it transitions even to the book of Acts. And uh, mm. I don't know, I don't know where, you know, put words in your mouth, but what, what's going to follow this study in Luke? Do you have an idea right. where it's going to next? So there are, so far, uh, six devotionals in process. Um, the next one is Exodus, 50 devotionals. Um, that's now our model. Then there's one on Philippians, Colossians, so that's about 25 on each. Then we go back to the Old Testament and do Proverbs, 50 devotionals. Obviously, we don't cover the whole of Proverbs, but trying the main things. And then the last one I just put in was, oh yeah, the pastoral epistles, Mm. Timothy's and Titus. So over the next year or two, these will make their way out from Crossway. And I hope people will, when they read Luke, think, "I, I would like more of this. And just get into that habit of, okay, what's next? And over over some years, hopefully, hopefully, if, if the books do well enough, Crosswell asked me to write more. And my my great passion, Adam, would be to do every book in the Bible. Mm. Um, I did my doctoral work on Matthew Henry. And I would like to, if I can dare say this, provide a Matthew Henry for the 21st century. <laughs> can I say that? <laughs> I, yeah, it's, I think that would be well worth uh, uh, a goal to set for sure. And I love the diversity that you didn't just uh, stick with uh, going through all four Gospels, but you're going to, that's a lot of range, Exodus, uh, the pastoral epistles, Proverbs yeah. even. We're going to have to ba- have you back in May. We like to do a <laughs> proverb a day in May. There's 31 chapters and 31 days in May. So we'll have to have you back uh, in May to t- do a little conversation about the importance of I'd Proverbs. I'd be happy to do it. <laughs> well, with that being said, our time is short, but uh, I, I'm so appreciative of what you've done and what you've provided for the church uh, at large and for the encouragement of the gospel of Luke and our study in devotions. Could I ask you to pray for our listeners sure. and, and be an encouragement to them as they explore God's Word to know it better and to be able to articulate that to others? Yep, sure thing. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this profitable time of exploring your truth and 
hopefully encouraging others into it. We pray for all who will listen to this, that they would have their appetites whetted for God's word and that they would be hungry, passionate about hearing God's story, have God's story change their story, and then telling that story and changing others' stories too. You, Lord, are the great story changer. You've changed our stories. We want to be used in your hands to change others. Therefore, bless these books, bless this podcast, and the weekly broadcasts out to so many in New England and beyond that you would use it to draw people to yourself and to make Christ glorious. And we ask in his name, amen. Amen. We've been talking with David Murray. His book is called Luke, uh, Stories of Mission and Mercy, and is part of a Story Changer devotional. There's going to be much more coming out in the future, so you'll want to stay tuned for those. I'm sure we'll have more conversations. So, David, again, it was a real joy to talk to you. Thank you so much for this, this book, and uh, for our conversation as well, and being part of the many voices for that one message. Thank you. I really appreciate your time and interest, and ask God's blessing also on your own ministry locally, but also wider through the podcast.